Welcome to The Inside Source, the podcast that is everything sports marketing. From agents and athletes to large and small brands, we are your number one source for inspiration on how to work with athletes. So today I got John Weaver from Nike, who I've known uh, back at his time when he was running snowboarding at Nike. Uh, and I was at Red Bull, so super excited to reconnect and hear the stories through his career and uh, how he's kind of progressed through Nike and, and coming up from Burton and then as a snowboarder. So um, welcome. How are you doing today, John? Thank you. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, excited, to, excited to do this. I listened to, I listened to Ladley's earlier and Aaron Blatt's, so yeah. Definitely been doing a bit of research there. It was cool to listen to Ladley's especially and like hear his whole journey. I didn't realize he'd been on Nike 14 years in the end. It's crazy. It's pretty wild. And you were on the other side of that, you know, for some time. So yeah. it was cool. He was actually the first podcast I ever did. So we were like out in like near Moab and just really had nice. no idea or format. And he just kind of was telling the story of like what it was like going from just a kid that likes to snowboard to this could be real and how you are obviously on the other end of that, making that a real dream, which is pretty mm -hmm. rad. Yeah, and it's pretty crazy to see, um, I think for a lot of kids, how it goes from that moment where you're like, oh, I'm kind of into a sport, and then and it, the, it feels like the age is younger and younger every year, and all of a sudden at 16, 17, you're at an X Games, a Jew tour, you're winning something, and all of a sudden you're just like, you're on TV, people know who you are, and it's, Nothing really ever prepares you for that, but I think you know Matt took it all in his stride. Was, yeah, yeah, it's been rad to see. It's really interesting to see how fast some of these athletes progress. Tricks. It's like, all right, they can finally hit all the jumps in the park and ride a super pipe to like a year and a half be competing. You know, it's it's just so yeah. wild how fast it progresses sometimes. So it's exciting to yeah. see. And then yeah. brands jumping on that early to find who's that talent. So yeah. 100% and it's um it's funny as you say as well because the shift the I think the the snowboarding is one part of it but then also the stuff around it like I always remember with Sage when he won the Olympics I remember he did his last run and I hugged him and I was like all right I'll see you in three months he's like what, what do you mean I was like <laughs> I was like you won't have time for me <laughs> believe you me he's like what do you mean like next morning he's on a plane and he's doing Kimmel and all the rest of it and that was it I didn't see him for three months that's so wild. Yeah, I don't think anybody knows what to expect there. It's it's always uh, uh, exactly insane, insane program. So, um, so give us a little background on kind of how you came to be. Uh, yeah, career. So I'm from the UK. We don't have much in the way of snow there. So a lot of us, if you're from the UK and you snowboard, you either do it on dry slopes, which are like these plastic hills we have in England, which are kind of like upturned toothbrushes that you ride on. It's kind of weird. <laughs> or you basically make a plan of like, I need to get to the mountains as quickly as possible. So um, I did a bit of a combination of the both. I got to, I spent a couple of winters in France, went back to college. Then I spent a couple of winters in Austria. And then at that point I was kind of getting boards from Forum. And that was the same time that they got bought by uh, Burton. And so I was actually up in Folgafona and I remember someone called me and they're like, I think Burton have bought Forum. I'm not sure what that means for you. You know, and you're kind of like, oh, let's see what happens here. And it was cool. Like I rode for them for like a year and then they were like, okay, we'd like to, you know, see if you'd like to come on board and help us do some events and stuff. Um, and so Forum was run independently out of the Innsbruck office. 
we had our own office, so we kind of got to borrow all the best parts of Burton, but we were also able to just continue as kind of a small small business on our own, which was really cool. Um, you know, so we could we could take some of the innovation that Burton had, they, and then you know learn the best practices. Yeah. But again, kind of stay true to the core. And so I was there for five years with um, with Forum, which was amazing because that was also through the kind of the second phase of um, Forum. That was like when former against them, that um, Forum Forever, all those films came out. Yeah. And that was, you know, it's pretty crazy because I'm sure you've had people on this podcast as well. Like, you know, when you when you first of all start doing these jobs, you I remember the first time working for Forum, I was I got free boards, right? But I'm basically still a snowboard geek. Yeah. And the first trip you go on, I remember we went to Switzerland and they were like, right, well, JP Walker's coming and uh Devon Walsh and Eka or something. And you're just like, you know, and the first time you meet someone like JP Walker, you are just tripping. You're like, oh yeah. my it's him. It's him. You know, and then you pretty quickly realize that like they're the same as everyone else and they, they have all the same needs. They go through all the same things we do. And you pretty quickly realize that, you know, they, they realize the role of a team manager. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's crazy at the beginning when you work in sports marketing to go through that shift from like, Oh, it's all about me or it's just a selfish endeavor yep. to then like, okay, now I have like 10 dudes or 10 women that I look after it's kind of a, a crazy, crazy mindset shift. I feel like the role of team manager, athlete manager is just hard to be done. If you don't come from the sport, you just got to kind of know what makes these athletes tick. And, uh, yeah. and otherwise it's really difficult to kind of speak their language or really understand what, what drives them and what motivates them. So, uh, it yeah. sounds like that was like a perfect transition where you kind of went from like, dude, I'm, I'm obsessed. Snowboarding is what makes the world go round into kind of that more business role. Yeah. And, and, and I think honestly, that was also the perfect transition then to spend a few years at Burton and forum to then go to Nike, because I don't think I could have gone from just being a snowboarder to then work in a company like Nike, because I'm sure the same as you had at Red Bull, you have a bunch of people working with you who don't come from that world who expect right. the same you know, they're basically looking at numbers on a spreadsheet and they're thinking, right, in basketball, we get this much share of share of presence on court. We have these many athletes. We spend this much. And, you know, when you're from that endemic world, you're you're kind of the conduit between the two of like, right. OK, I'm listening to what you're saying and now I'm going to take it and make it right for action sports. And it's a uh, it's something which I, I know I could have only achieved with that time at Burton because otherwise it would have just I think I'd have just been lost at sea on that stuff. Totally. It's, it's, um, you're taking something that you're obsessed and you love and then blending it with why does it make sense for a brand to invest in? And it's funny cause I feel like in that moment you're kind of evolving into, all right, this is a good reason to invest. And this is why, and I'm discovering that in real time. Whereas before it's kind of like, of course you invest cause snowboarding's awesome. And these guys are amazing, but that's not what sells product. So it's, I know. And it make it, it makes you think, a little clearer about how you construct arguments for it as well of like, mm -hmm. you know, snowboard. It's not just purely about people on a podium or this, it's about credibility in more of a cultural lens. And if you have the right athletes, this can help you. Yeah. Just spread what your brand stands for and things like this. So it's, it's a, 
it, it's certainly a good learning in terms of how you can construct those arguments. Absolutely. And so then you went from Burton directly to Nike. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So I worked at, I, I was hired initially to do like European team management for Nike. And we, we kind of had some of the 6.0 athletes. We had a, well, we had a ton of footwear athletes. We had some Nike snowboarding athletes. We kind of had two separate teams. One was more contests and kids, which was Mayor Jamie Nichols, Matt Ladley, a bunch of the others were there. And then we had Nike snowboarding, Giggy, Nicholas, Danny Cass, et cetera. Um, and so I was brought in to kind of set it up for Europe. So the first couple of years was traveling with the European riders to events and then also more on the Nike snowboarding side of things we would hold events for like boot launches. So Giggy released a boot, which was um, kind of the mercurial Cristiano Ronaldo style snowboard boot with the swoosh yeah. on the front, on the front foot, uh, forefoot. And we did a, we basically made like an uh, outdoor football, like five-a-size tournament in Innsbruck in the snow. Um, and so I was kind of doing a hybrid of a bunch of roles between events and team and whatever else. And, it was freelancers working from home. So again, it was kind of nice because I got to see the machine of Nike, but also was kind of somewhat protected from it. Right. So I did that for a couple of years. Um, and then in 2012, they asked me to move over to the US and that's when it became a global sports marketing role. And so um, that's where you kind of went from just the European riders to overseeing snowboarding as a whole or still specifically yeah. athletes? That was so. The first year was was still specifically athletes. So I worked with Dave Driscoll, who you know, um, yep. you know, and Dave then kind of he took a role being more freelance, so he could travel more. I then took a role in the office, um, and it was great because we had some amazing people like Dave to learn from, Bobby Meeks, etc. Um, but I was still essentially sports marketing. So at that point, it was like I would run all of the team managers that we had on the road. So we had. Sunny in Europe, Driscoll in North America, we had Jake Largest in ski. We had a whole bunch of people who would all be sort of day-to-day -day with the athletes, which was great. And then I would be internal, so I would be the one doing the contracts with my boss. And it kind of provided a nice delineation that you had people on the ground yeah. who were kind of like the trusted advisor, you know, and then you had someone who would be doing the contract. So it was kind of nice that you were able to provide like a little bit of a a gap there because it, you know, otherwise it can become a little bit blurring of the lines. How, um, how was that managing kind of educating a new brand that obviously has probably a pretty substantial ego as far as operating in sports and it's a billion dollar company, but trying to navigate a sport like snowboarding. Cause I feel like you were right there probably in the front lines of, of bringing those two parties together in the office was, was, yeah. was Nike pretty um, good to work with in that process as a snowboarder? Yeah, I mean, I I was blown away when I started working with Nike when they ever first spoke to me in just how focused they are on listening to athletes. You know, there's I'm not sure if you've read Shoe Dog, but in there the you know the, the Phil Knight book there's a there's a piece in there and it's you know one of the mantras is to always listen to the voice of the athlete and they they kind of stick pretty true to that. And it's like, if, you know, if athletes are like, we need, we need a physio to come on tour with us. We need this. They will listen to exactly what people need to perform at their best. And of course then, yeah, as you say, you do have like that internal kind of 
okay, well, we expect this to run the same way as other sports, you know, and it's interesting as well because Red Bull and Nike always have this sponsorship dilemma of like (laughs) in action sports, headwear is kind of like, you know, you would never see, you would never see Tiger run in a Red Bull hat or whatever, somewhere else. But in action sports, it, it was kind of the done thing. And so we definitely had moments where we had to learn together of like, okay, right, what kind of stand are we going to take here? And um, You want to do what's right for the sport, but you also have to realize at the same time you work at Nike in this a way that Nike does stuff. Totally. And they're kind of, you know, they're just not, they're, in some areas, it's like that's kind of how we do it. So it was, again, it was kind of like the great thing is they always, they always, want to listen to the athletes which is kind of the number one thing um and then just to build on that so i did a year just doing just athletes and then i kind of covered brand marketing as well so kind of then i had like a foot in both camps which is kind of cool and that's kind of where i've been since like more on the brand marketing side but it's been good just to see the how the two come come together and work together that's awesome and so now you kind of went from dealing really close with athletes to brand which is a lot more product focus, I imagine. It's, yeah, it's more product focused, but it's also more, um, it's still, it's still focused on what the marketing of the athletes, but not necessarily like the seek sign serve of athletes. You know, if you're a, like in my old role at Nike, it was like, right, we need the best 10 snowboarders on earth. Your job is like, right find them, get them signed, make sure they're happy, you know, and now my role is a lot more like, okay, what's the product we're going to market? What's the story? Who are the athletes you want to work with on the insights to build the product, that kind of thing. So it's, it's interesting at Nike because it's a little bit more kind of uh, siloed in that respect. And you've recently transitioned into football or soccer, right? Correct. Yes, yes, yes. So I, after snowboarding, I did worked on like CrossFit, for a while when we launched the Metcon, mm-hmm. which was super interesting because you kind of get to see that as much as you think action sports is like the niche thing, <laughs> I kind of realized that CrossFit has the same dedicated people to that. Then I did a couple of years working on our women's business on sports bras and tights and leggings. And then, yeah, recently I moved on to football. So, and football, it's ironic. I worked at Nike 10 years. It's the first time I've ever worked on it. And that's the sport that I grew up playing. So, it's really that's, it's, that's cool yeah it's kind of nice to come back to it so i mean globally that's got to be one of your guys top investments as far as sports that you guys really focus on just from the well, it, audience size i mean the audience size of football is you know when you when you think about on a macro global level it's kind of un, unparalleled because you know if we go on surf trips and you go to costa rica you go to bali you go anywhere and there's always someone with a tv on watching real madrid or barcelona or man united totally um you know i i think and the scale that the athletes have is it's interesting when you live in north america because obviously you, you know the media obviously you're seeing basketball nfl etc but then once you step out of north america you kind of realize that there are players who've got some of the biggest names in the world who may not be household names in the U S but the rest of the world, they're huge, you know? Yeah. It's like um, the U S versus the rest of the world. As far as sports, it's pretty interesting. It's like they've all collectively <laughs> agreed. Soccer is our, is our thing. And it's, but it's, so but it's a mate, but it's also interesting what's happening now because so many of the women's national team have just gone to the women's super league in England. Yep. Uh, so Alex Morgan, Tobin Heath have all transferred over there for 
just for loan deals for the rest of the season. But it's super interesting because obviously the women's game in the US is so much more advanced than in Europe. That's kind of given a shot in the arm to women's football in Europe now. So it's really, it's going to be interesting to see what this season brings, like the increased focus on the game in Europe. That's going to be cool. That's exciting. So all of that to kind of transition into our main thesis statement. Yeah. Why do you believe that brands investing in athletes is a good idea? Yeah. So there's probably three things I would say. I think the first is athletes can make your, you as a brand stronger. Like they will tell you if the product is good. They'll tell you if it sucks. They'll, they'll give you the firsthand feedback that you need. Right. Totally. Um, I also think that athletes can, can keep you relevant if you listen to them and you have to listen to them. So, you know, what me or you may think is cool. The chances are a 18 year old probably isn't even on that platform you're talking about right now, or I'm talking about, and that's just, so the, that's, <laughs> that's the reality of it. Right. So I think there's a bit where it's like, you know, and if you think about someone like Chloe Kim, I would think about, even the vernacular she used when she won the Olympics, you know, and she was like, I'm hungry. I, I just, I need a burrito, like halfway between the Olympics winning run. <laughs> like the way that she spoke to other, other kids her age is something that a brand couldn't do. Try, I, and it would just look like you were trying. So I think it's the first one, like it will make your brand stronger. Um, I think the second one is that if you have the right athletes, they can just become synonymous for your brand. Uh, and I think Red Bull have done this amazingly. If it's Danny McCaskill or Miles Shammy Watson yeah. or whoever else to Nike with Kobe and LeBron and Cristiano, like they are, you see LeBron and you just know he's a Nike guy. Um, yep. So I think that's a huge one. And then I think the third one is, and this has certainly changed over the last say five or six years, is that you're just, I think now you're seeing more and more that that especially Gen Z and younger, the, these kind of kids, they're following athletes more than they're following brands and teams. Yep. You know, and this was something new to me moving to the US, but like wherever LeBron moves, all of a sudden people are buying his jersey. And it's, I feel like it wasn't this way in soccer before, but now it is. Like Cristiano recently went from Madrid to Juventus and they sold more Juve jerseys than they've ever sold before. And you have this thing where the, the athletes are, pretty much as powerful as clubs, teams, federations, and brands. You know, you even you only have to look at that. I mean, Alex Morgan just transferred to Tottenham in the UK. She has a higher following socially than Tottenham do. Wow. Which, you know, and they're a hundred-year-old club. You know, so it's – and then obviously that's – and then you can layer into like the, the, the fact that now that, you know, players they have with that reach they have they can essentially become like a commerce channel as well so i think that's something which wasn't there 10 years ago and you know i think maybe we'll get onto it but like you know 10 years ago you'd have those conversations like why do you have that athlete well because he's relevant in colorado or he's relevant in austria and now you're actually able to kind of test and monitor and like build out a hypothesis of like is this person actually relevant in colorado totally which so i think those kind of three things yeah i think that's powerful and and through that you create an emotional impact with that consumer versus just uh eyeballs that that run run across the ad or the brand you know it's it feels like in all of those those places that you mentioned there's an emotional kind of transmission as that consumer 
experiences your brand. Um, so what are some personal good examples you've been a part of through your time at Forum, Burton, or Nike? Yeah. I feel like you, you've been uh, a part of a lot of different different marketing activations. I think probably the one I'm proudest of was going into the 2014 Olympics. We we basically put in place like an 18-month editorial journey. So we had two different movies we were making. One was the traditional snowboard film, and then one was like an editorial, more documentary-style film. And both of them, and the editorial one especially, that featured all of the contest writers as well, who normally don't get the light shined on them, you know. Um, and so it meant that basically for 18 months, we were able to kind of take consumers on a journey sort of daily content wise. And it was all building up to this moment, I think, you know, three or four months before the Olympics, before you get into rule 40 and all the rest of it, where yeah. we were building up these riders, telling their story, you release this film, you do, you know, we did the world tour, we went all around the world doing that. And then you go into the Olympics and then you have like a couple of people like a sage, um, just, you know, take that momentum and then go on to a global scale. So I think that to me is probably the, the yep. best one. And, and, and in general, just that year, because, you know, we had, I mean, Greg Brett's won Jutor that year, Louis won XMs that year, I believe. Um, Sage won the, the Olympics, Spencer won Europe, uh, sorry, US Open. You know, it was like yep. we had all of the podiums, we had Nike people on the podiums, we had the editorial content. We weaved in product, you know, we had, I don't know if you remember, we had boots that had light up swooshes on them. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, we kind of, we, whatever you could think about, there was something happening with it. You know, we had a, remember we even, there was even like a cross category hyperwarm campaign with like Scotty Lego jumping out of a helicopter in Switzerland. And that was like the big winter TV spot. So it was kind of like, if you were just watching snow, if you would only see snowboarding once a year through the Super Bowl commercials, we were in that. Or if you were every day on Instagram, you would see Jed Anderson and Danny Cass in that. Like we kind of were going across the whole gamut, and that was probably, I think that's been one of my high points. That's that was a very powerful year. I feel like for snowboarding in general, just Sage was yeah. such a good front man for the sport. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and you guys were pouring so much into it that I felt like it was so exciting. It's, um, I'm hoping the sport of snowboarding can kind of get back to that, that front and center stage, but, uh, yeah. you know, everything kind of comes in ebbs and flows, but that, I mean, that yeah. is an absolute example about just being in every single segment and every part. So you're talking to a lot yeah. of different consumers. Um, what would you say are some of the, your, your activations that you look up to that maybe you weren't a part of, but something that really stands out that a brand's done with, with an athlete. Um, I would say that's a great question. I think there's probably a couple, I think. Um, and I think a lot, well, there's a couple here. So I'd say one would be some of the content that I see like Patagonia doing where they're kind of, infusing purpose into the work they're doing um you yep. know and that's not necessarily purely specific on athletes but i think you know they interweave yep. athletes into it and I, I just think where the world is now that's kind of the where patagonia are with their marketing with purpose interwoven into everything they're kind of on point with everything there 
yeah. when it comes to kind of athlete activations, I think we all, it's funny, my boss now at uh, Nike, he worked on Red Bull when they did the, um, the jump from outer space. Oh yeah. And, uh, Red Bull Stratus. Worked, yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of those where, and you know, I heard a lot of conversations at the time, like what can our thing be, right? Like what can our moonshot be? And because that was obviously a thing where he probably had that in his mind. And I think that's always the, that's always the, the best example of working with athletes. Like if, if you can think, if you can talk to an athlete and actually listen about what they want to do rather than what you want to do as a brand and then bring that to life, you know, and I look at, because that one was one of those things that I think even now people still look up to and they're like, wow, like that was a, that was a thing that worked, you know? Um, and off the back of that, the other, the moonshot that was a Nike thing was the two hour marathon. Yep. Um, and I think the ironic thing with that was the, the first attempt, which it didn't was like, which didn't break the two hour barrier, but was like 30 seconds off. I think that one was so crucial because it kind of showed what is possible, but it also showed some, fall- some, some vulnerability of like, Hey, we're not, you know, absolutely. Superhuman. It doesn't look fully prescribed. It's like, we're going into this hoping it works. It looks very authentic. Yeah. And I think that was a, another great thing. You know, you're working with a phenomenal athlete like um, Kipchoge. You had, there was a National Geographic piece, which was put in play around the side of it. You had a sport moment where people were tuning in on Twitter to watch it. I, you, you have a few of those moments every few years, I would say, maybe one a year where it's like you drop everything. You're like, oh, I have to watch this person do this thing. Yeah. Like it's, you know, and I think they're the ones where, I think they're the ones that as you move forward, if you really want to make an impact for sure, they take a lot more work and planning and you might try and fail a bunch of times, but when they hit they're, you know, they're huge. They, they, they go over and above. And I think both of those are examples of athletes saying, Hey, this is my dream. And it may this not make do, a yeah. lot of sense of how this is going to pay back to sales or a product launch. But if a brand can just kind of surrender that, that like fear and just say you're an extraordinary human uh we we back you we support you then you can really tell some incredible stories whether it's breaking uh you know the human marathon time or going to outer space obviously you got to do what fits within your budget and both of those examples are are from really powerful brands but i think anytime you just use that uh that like kind of backbone of let's just listen to the athlete edits for all and and rally behind it because then you're going to get something special out of it. Cause, cause I always, I even think about like, you know, Danny McCaskill, like the, the stuff he does on the bikes that, you know, a lot of the stuff that you can do, like all the cost of creating content now is relatively affordable. Like the Danny McCaskill stuff, Mm -hmm. I've no idea how much it costs, but you could probably film that for a, a small amount. But yep. the it's it's the idea that was in his head of like oh, I'm going to ride my bike around the Isle of Skye where I'm from or wherever he's from I forget but and I think that's the thing it's just like okay what's the idea that you can capture people's attention with and sometimes yep. I think those ideas are the the most simple ideas are the ones that generally work the best because everyone can kind of get it straight away you know yeah so contrary to all of those amazing examples, what would you say are some things for brands to kind of stay away from 
So as, as a new brand looks to enter into athletes, yeah. pretty nervous, there's a couple of things that, that are good for them to kind of avoid that you've seen. Yeah. So I would say um, the first thing is just being humble and understanding your, your place in the world. Like I, I'll always remember, like, so the person I worked for at Nike, you know, he didn't come from a snowboarding background, but just a phenomenal human, phenomenal person, phenomenal listener. And he would just say, right, we need to do the best in this sport. He would go out and hire the very best people for it because he was like, I know how to organize Nike to help you make this happen. Right. And I think sometimes you see this where brands maybe come into a space and they just, they have someone who's maybe snowboarded on holiday once a year or, <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, that guy, you know, Jim can take care of the athletes or whatever. And you always hear those horror stories from athletes where they're like, well, th these people don't really get it. And I think it's like, if you're going to invest, you know, if you're building a sports marketing program and you're going to invest however much it is, right. could be a 200,000, like probably the first 10 to 20% of that you should be spending is on the right person who's actually going to help you build out that network. Cause they'll also get, help you get the deals for a better price as well. Like if you, Absolutely. You know, I, I, so I think that, um, and then, you know, I, I, th I think that's the main thing, just being humble, making sure that you have the right people in place to help you build your program. Um, it's too easy to kind of have people who, again, who like think they've done something once and be like, Oh, I can, I can do this for us. Don't worry. Absolutely. Especially walking into new sports and new environments that maybe hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that Nike did a great know, job. And when you guys got into action sports, I feel like it was a very um, strategic way of, of listening uh, and, and kind of slowly growing at first. So. Well, well, I think, again, I think a lot of it comes down to the people because, you know, on the Nike snowboarding side, Bobby Meeks was kind of the one who was like pulling the people onto the program, you know, and he, there was riders, he was just, he was backing so hard, but you can understand it looking back, like the, you know, um, and then on more of the contest side, we had Dave Driscoll, who was super, like he knew every up and coming kid and was a hundred percent, you know, the, the right kind of person to direct you where you needed those people. And even further than that, like the photographers we worked with and the filmers we worked with, we tried to make sure that you were always working with the people who kind of understood what Nike requires to be in a space, but also what works for the athletes. That's a great point. Um, so kind of final thing, tell me about where mm -hmm. you're at right now and how, uh, oh, your yeah. work, your work life has evolved <laughs> given the, so, uh, the recent excitement of 2020. Yeah. So 2020 has been a little bit of a wild one. So as you can see, it's a little dark here. I've got the spotlight. Um, so I'm in Portugal right now. We, we moved, well, we, we decided to do work from home from Portugal at the end of June. So we lived, we've lived in Portland for eight years and we love living there. Um, but what with everything this year, my wife is German. I've got two kids who are born in Portland as well, but, um, yeah, just what with everything up in Portland this year, it was kind of getting a little intense yeah. with the new cycle and everything else. So we just decided just to do work from home from here for a little while. Um, I'm sure we'll That's go amazing. back at some point and yeah, it's been really good. Um, I, it's meant that I have, I have to work basically four till midnight every day now. Um, 
So my wife hates me at bedtime for the kids, but uh, <laughs> it's 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 good. It's um it's been a it's been a really nice shift you know like last night the presidential debate was on and it's like you know i woke up this morning you put on social media and you just sometimes the news cycle is a little incessant um and we both felt that we just needed to have a little break from that for a while for our own kind of sanity because it was getting too much i think it's amazing while it's been obviously a challenging year and a lot of inconveniences i think taking a fresh look and looking at all right what does this now give us freedoms to do for example, yeah. pick up and, and relocate to Portugal. You know, there's no other time that that makes sense working for a demanding 100%. company like Nike. But, you know, you're able uh, to find something special out of it. Yeah. And it's um, it's been good. It's been really good. And it's it makes me realize what it, like how lucky I am to work with a company like that where, where we're able to make it work. Um, and then the other thing I've also like in the because then I obviously have like days free or yep. during the day and the kids are at school i've been working on a book as well so that's coming out i'm actually going to put that on kickstarter next week um that's exciting that is, yeah it's really cool it's basically stories of people who followed like unconventional paths to to let's call it success um and it's you know there's some like photographers you'll know from snow vanilla olaf who shot with stalin um yeah all the kids from norway um, and then there's people who've won Oscars and there's Michelin starred chefs. And basically I'm just trying to, again, cause we're in this weird year, I'm just trying to show teenagers that like, you don't necessarily have to go to school, go to the right college, do this and, you know, get in a bunch of debt and then go and get that job. Like there's a ton of different ways around it. Um, you know, and it's cool. Like, I mean, listening to Aaron Blatt or whoever else, like there's so many people who are just kind of creating their own jobs totally. and stuff anyway now. Uh, and I think action sports gives you that as well, right? Like action sports really yeah. breeds that creativity. Yeah. Aaron Blatt going from sleeping under people's pool tables to, I mean, having an unbelievable agency now that he's doing stuff with Apple and yeah. Burton and Red Bull. So uh, that's, yeah. that's awesome. So what's, what's it called? Do you have a title? Uh, it's called the Anti Blueprint Project amazing and you're going to be on kickstarter yeah Yeah, i'm gonna get it on kickstarter next week so um hopefully i'm still that's the good thing with this it's just a learning because i'm still like i was there trying to understand how kickstarter works today so fingers (laughs) crossed next week or the week after but again like all these things it's kind of like i think that's what if you use this year for what it's you know i'm sure like when did you start this podcast during this whole thing right exactly yeah i was like hey i could probably get a lot of my friends on zoom meetings that are twiddling their thumbs trying to figure out what the future looks like so yeah and i think it's the thing if you make the best of this situation it can like we can all kind of come out the back of 2020 wiser and having learned some stuff you know absolutely Um, when's your uh, do you have any return date to the u.s picked or is it just kind of day by day uh we did have flights and they canceled delta canceled them (laughs) because there was i mean we had three sets of flights canceled on the way here so Right now, we're just kind of like seeing what happens with the various lockdowns and stuff. So um, it's good though. My wife, like she's got twin sister, another sister parent. So it's much easier for her to be over this side of the world for a minute. Because as I say, we've been in Portland for eight years now. So it's kind of a long time to be away from family. So Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks, John. This is awesome. Um, Hey, anytime. So good to uh, catch up, see you again. It's been a yeah. long time and, uh, and a bunch of amazing stories uh, that I know people are going <laughs> to hang on to and, and will be super powerful. So I appreciate yeah. it.
anytime. And if, uh, yeah, anyone got any further questions, just hit me up. You too. Awesome. All right, man. We'll Sweet. see you. All right. Thanks for listening to The Inside Source. Every week, hear what brands, agents, and athletes have to say about sports marketing. If you would like to reach me directly, you can email me, chase at iconsource.com. Have a great day.